spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs of this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label. hey guys and the end spoken label back in the house or on zoom again today we're doing something i've never done before today and that's unheard of me on unspoken label we're chatting to a gentleman over in the czech republic and I've been chatting to this young gentleman for a couple of weeks now about his science fiction novels, and he's, he's a fascinating writer. So his name is, he's going to probably completely correct me on this, Jan Kotic. So, Jan. Close enough, yeah. Oh, that's not bad for me then, OK. Would you like to, first of all, then, mate, introduce yourself to everybody? Obviously, we're told already from the Czech Republic. Tell people, obviously, obviously, where your writing originally came from, and we'll start from there. Okay, so hello everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Jan Kotoc. As Andy said, I'm a writer based in the Czech Republic. Um, I've been publishing novels since 2009, but I wrote my first something when I was 14 in 2001. And to date, I have 17 novels out and three of them in English, with the fourth one being uh, translated. I have three different series. The first one is called The Hirano Sector that came out in the Czech Republic, but one novella is translated from that. Then I have an alternate history series about mighty Czech kingdom called the Czech land series, which is so far only in Czech. And then I have the one that's being translated into English, which is Central Imperium series, which is like a space opera with a touch of military with empires rising and falling, intrigues, and a hero who is a poker player. And right now I'm writing my very first standalone novel, some novel that's not going to have a sequel and that's not going to be part of any series. And apart from that, I've also written some short stories for various anthologies and magazines. And I've been teaching creative writing and for myself as well as for one Czech university and doing all kinds of other things. Apart from, apart from other things, I'm also an English teacher. I have a certificate that I can teach people English in companies. But of course, the last year, not many companies wanted to do that during the quarantine and lockdown and everything. So I had a lot more time to write. 
Yeah, I found it really interesting you told me before. So obviously, like, if people go and look on you, the English version of your website, they only see the three novels. And I instantly, I found out when I was looking around, I thought, you, you've done more, you had more that have not been translated yet. So like I said, it's, have you found it? Obviously, you've been writing, I would say, full-time and for quite some time, haven't you? So mm-hmm. so has you pro- how has your approach to your writing changed over time then as a novelist? Good question. I, of course, I think one thing that, that every writer, as the more they write, the faster they become, and hopefully improved as well. I try to have some daily quota, which also ha- helps that I no longer now have a job from eight to say, eight to four or something like that. Oh, makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I maybe I worry less about tiny bit details because I I know that I can always fix it when I do the final edit and fix it later but the first draft is about something else so I worry about these things less and actually right now I'm also apart from writing a new novel I'm tasked by one of my Czech publishers to prepare my first four books to a new edition like to publish it in a new way with new new covers and everything so I'm reading something I've written 12 years ago and I'm and so the main changes I'm doing is I'm like cutting out every second signal phrase because I've been overusing them and I'm cutting out every second adverb because every book can be made better if you just cut randomly every second adverb. Brilliant, brilliant. Now obviously then I want to ask you then before we go to we'll talk about one of your series that's been transferred to English from Pacific in a moment or two but I want to learn first of all then what made you want to start writing science fiction as a genre? Well, I think that every writer, more than anything, wants to write something they themselves would like to read if it were written by someone else. Hmm. And I've always liked science fiction. I grew up with Star Trek and Star Wars, and I my favorite books are science fiction. I really like David Weber's books and Timothy Zahn's books. Later, I discovered Lois McMaster Bujold and then regretted that I haven't discovered her earlier because she's brilliant. So I just like to read science fiction and I like military history and political history. So I combined that with like writing science fiction with lots of intrigue and empires rising and falling and all that stuff. So I think it just never occurred to me to not write science fiction when I was starting. Yeah, okay. I also went to alternate history later on, which is a sub genre of science fiction. And I may write different genres as well down the road, but so far I'm like happy where I am. Yeah, you were telling me, obviously, like you you first did your first attempt in it. Like, was it a novel when you were about 14, didn't you, really? So it was not a novel, it was a fan fiction. Oh, fan fiction. I, I, when, I, I was writing a Star Wars fan fiction, super bad, and I sent it to one fan fiction website in Czech Republic where they actually did selection, so they did not let anything being published there, but for some reason that escaped me for many years, they published that one, and it was super bad, but I learned years later why they did that, and they, because it was at a time where Star Wars, the episode one, The Phantom Menace, was a brand new movie, was the hot new thing. And there were lots of new fan fiction writers. And 
it was true in Czech Republic, but I think worldwide wide as well. Most of these stories were written by women. And many of them had like romance subplots that there's this female character based on the, um, the writer and she falls in love in, with Qui-Gon Jinn and, or with Obi-Wan or with Darth Maul. And there are all kinds of stories like that on the website. And my stories, while it, my story, while it was completely bad, was just with a group of Jedi Knights going to kick some bad guys. So it was different. It was bad, but it was different. And to my continuous embarrassment, it's still online. <laughs> oh yeah i can believe you please put it down to one of those things as i would say there definitely so <laughs> okay now i could always ask you lots of questions about your books that haven't been translated into english yet but unfortunately i'd have to stick on to the ones that i know what i can talk to you about is in your books that have been translated english to central that's right Central Emporium series. Imperium. 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 Okay. But no, that's, that's dyslexia for you. And obviously, okay. <laughs> I know you've had three books translated into English and the fourth one's on the way. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I've read the first two, certainly. I loved them. I thought they were brilliant. We've been having the painters and decorators in on and off all week. I've not had a chance to go on to the third book yet, but I will. So, obviously then, tell us about then the basis where this idea of this series came from. Well, I was, well, I finished one of my previous sci-fi series and I was writing lots of this alternate history, but I wanted to go back into space and take a different approach. So this is like my take on, um, as I said, like some story about some big galactic um, polity called, like called the Central Imperium, which is super fragile. And I wanted a main character who would not be some great giant wonderful starship captain but let him make an be an let him be an intelligence officer and a poker player who enjoys analyzing people which helps you both with being an intelligence officer and also a poker player and and i just also wanted to take the popular trope or cliche with ancient evil returning and sort of turning it upside down so with some known old enemy we did not even know we had and returning. And I wanted to explore the central imperium, which has been built on like million little compromises and it's very fragile by that point. And I don't want to spoil anything, but my main character is a member of the royal family, but he's like ninth or 10th in the line of succession. So he's just happy being like an intelligence Specialist. I think he's right about as far from the line of su succession as I know Princess Anne is in the British monarchy yeah, right now. Yeah, distant right? monarchy, yeah. So that's why it gives him that sort of edge, really, where certainly he can feel like he just wants to carry on with his life without thinking he's never mm -hmm. really going to come, he's never really under threat of coming emperor, like I said. But people obviously notice that may change as the book goes along. Now, yeah. I've got to tell you, I loved him as a character, but my standout character from the first book was actually his robot, Kelvin. Uh -huh. I loved Kelvin. I thought Kelvin really added something to it, actually, he did, in the first chapter. And obviously then, when he comes, maybe comes into the book later on. Now, how was it, was it always planned for Kelvin to be his, like a bodyguard robot? Or did that, as a character, did that come along later? Yeah, it, it was always in the plan. I... I, I think what was what's become a little overused in sci-fi lately is the idea of uh, rise of the machines or just 
AI rebellion and I, I wanted to establish a world where nothing like this would happen. So I, my robots are more or less like droids are in the Star Wars universe. They are just these servants. If we want, we can uh, ask, we can say slaves. And I'm not sure if they discuss that in the first two books, but they definitely discuss it in the series at some point is why don't they rebel? And the reason that the robots themselves are, say is why would we? And, yeah, and yeah, that's so an interesting point. I, I think that uh, the idea for the, my take on it is this: that okay, when we are thinking about these catastrophic scenarios like rise of the machines, we are thinking too much like humans, and because we humans, evolution like indoctrinated us to think in the terms of us against them. Like for our tribe to be successful, the other tribe needs to be defeated. And the ro any artificial intelligence does not have this baggage, this evolutionary baggage for that. So, and they're actually doing what they want. And even, and it's even established in the series that some robots or some AIs, if you would, they, they can decide, oh, you know what? I don't want to be your servant. I want to go somewhere and read Das Kapital or something like that because I want to, and I want to be free. And all the companies producing robots, they actually cover this in the insurance. So there are like these cities where robots go when they sort of become, they want, decide they want freedom and they're just living it with themselves and are happy and the company will just send you money or give you a refund or send you a new robot for if that happens, but they consider it a glitch, but still the robots have no reason to just want to destroy the humanity or anything because why would they? So. It's quite an interesting approach, that really, because what you've done there, because I think it's been used. Obviously, I can think of straight away my robot, my Asimov, where they're yeah. looking at where they rebel, and it's like it seems that's what I liked about it was it the robot actually seemed to actually genuinely care for Daniel, and I liked that relationship in it with them between the pair of rooms. It added showed a different layer to him. Now, I want to ask you obviously about the world building aspect of this. Mm -hmm. So obviously, like you said, it's when obviously you started developing this series. Did you have all the universe and or everything pretty well mapped out? Did you and how did, did it change over time? Yeah, I, I am a plotter and I am a world builder. So before anything else, I started developing the world. And I was I remember I was writing other novels. And when I did not feel like writing the current work in progress, I just went down and created this central Imperium world. And so I'm a I like to play with this world building and create these worlds and and because I like naval history then I also need to name all my little ships so all the ships that appear in the books I named them long time ago and but I of course there were changes as I was writing it but usually minor changes or more or more like something I've I, I just figure out later that I would need think of something in more detail. So I just filled in the blanks, but I did not change something huge. Actually, the the first novel has um, has appendices, which has, have some like information about the Central Imperium and about the, some alien species and and the, um, the situation there. And I actually, not, I'm not sure if all of it, but most of it, I just copied and pasted from my notes, which was, which was my world building notes which I had for like two years before I started writing the first book. Wow. Well, now, have you found that obviously that 
obviously, I know you write other series, and I, I've not read much on your about your other series. I don't know a lot about it. But did you find then over these different sort of series, did you the way your plot vary from series to series, or even book to book, even? Um, yeah. Well, maybe I'm not sure if you if readers would spot the difference. And of course, since only this one series was published in English, I cannot tell. But my first series was maybe more military in space, not only, but I think it was more military than the Central Imperium. The Central Imperium has military aspects, but it's also like action adventure and espionage. And and it's more like more focused on the adventure, I would say, but maybe it's just in my head as the author and the readers might disagree. And But the biggest difference is when I'm writing the alternate history, because I look at that as a historical novel about, novel about a history that never happened. So I have much more minor characters everywhere. And I do lots of like, uh, like small battles for which I have to create the new characters because it's important to describe them in the alternate history books. And there it's no plausible way to put the main hero everywhere. So I have more, let's say viewpoint characters, for example, similar to maybe we have a new read David Weber novels, or when you read uh, Tom Clancy novels, the techno thriller novels, like when if you read something like uh, Red Storm Rising by Tom Clancy, you have zillion of small viewpoint characters that appear on two pages. And so that's, but I'm, the alternate history also needs to be more serious and more like grounded in reality, because it's, it's like alternate 1940s. So we can imagine, we imagine what we think happened in 1940s. So it needs to be more grounded in that, let's say technology level. And in sci-fi, I can just be, do crazier stuff like robot with the voice of Christopher Lee or. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like that a little bit, yeah. <laughs> or like the, the Scottish regiment, which is, uh, which is playing Scotland the Brave as they are doing the drop from orbit, you know, it's like, I can do that because in sci-fi when I'm writing, it's like, why not? Have the freedom, definitely so. Now, obviously, yeah. I'm not going to ask you how many books are actually going to be in this series. Obviously, like, I know the fourth one is on the way, but have you uh -huh. found, and had you generally, I'm guessing when you're plotting, you would have had a big overview of the full series before you really mm -hmm. started, probably, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And has this, um, has you found, and how's your, outlines or plots actually change as much since you first did this? It, the first two books were basically written as I figured them out. I remember I was talking about them with some friends, like basically talk, telling them the whole outline of the first two books and there were very little changes. And there was one small change where in the second book, I didn't want to Oil anything but let's say there's just some super minor villain character which was supposed to be just try to kill the main hero and be killed and it was supposed to be it and as I was writing that confrontation I figured out they uh, it's no there's no reason at that point as I resolved the fight there's no reason for the heroes to kill that villain so they captured her and I said okay so I have this important prisoner so I now need to figure out what to do with her for the rest of book two and then in book three and and so on brilliant um, with book three and four I had to sort of like a fill in the blanks more and actually the plotting of the series it's you said you didn't want to ask me but 
I always said from the beginning that this is uh, the main series is four books. And when I, I will stay in that series, in that universe, but I may do a sequel series. And I also want to do like sort of prequel series with slightly different characters, etc. But But the, if someone finishes book four and feels like, yeah, they don't, they don't want to do anything more from me, they can, which is maybe not a great marketing for me to say that, but you know, I trust that I hope. the readers <laughs> would enjoy it more to write one the next one anyway. Yeah, of course. I get explained. I didn't want. To, I didn't want to directly ask you how many books did you have planned for this initial series. I thought that's fine with me. So now, obviously, like I said before, I know there's two a couple of talks I want to touch on here, but so I want to ask you about this first of all. Then, so I know at the moment, obviously, you the fourth one's underway, and you've got a standalone novel on in go on the go as well, haven't you? At the moment, yeah, that's actually. Um, yeah, I had some I had some personal issues and I was unable to write for the past three months. And a few weeks ago, I started writing this novel, which played with an idea that I've been having in my head for like ten years. And, wow. and so it's completely standalone novel. I'm it, so far there's no plan to publish it in English, but we will see. We can. And but it's, it takes place in the Czech Republic and it's a science fiction from contemporary Czech Republic which has like, which basically the premise is that an alien bureaucrat arrives to earth, which was scheduled to be colonized by some client species millions of years ago. And they realize that there's a vermin who spread out on earth, which is humans. And so the, the interstellar bureaucrat needs to eliminate humanity, but he also needs to do it in the cheapest way possible. So it's like a planetary alienation on a budget because he needs to worry about the, his superiors complaining that he's spending too much resources or too many resources. And so it's very slow annihilation. And then so the Earth, people from Earth can actually fight back. And one guy in Czech Republic by accident, by being in the wrong place at the wrong time, gets some sort of alien technology implanted into his body. So he's actually one person that can stop that. And he's just a random dude who works in a warehouse in a small town. And, and suddenly he has like a military escorting him everywhere and activating alien artifacts to help fight with these aliens. And so it's yeah. like, a, you know, I just went to town in this book. Yeah. I want to have fun and I- they are, You sound like you've had to go straight away, yeah. This is my favorite places. And not only in Czech Republic, they, they also will visit Slovakia later on. And, and it's like, I was thinking about the classical RPGs, for example, in like computer games where the main character needs to go to four different places and finds, I don't know, a piece of some map or whatever. And I said, well, let's do it here in contemporary Czech Republic where you need to go to four weird places and just do something. And of course they, and because the, the alien, the alien is like always trying to be as cheap as possible. So first he 3D prints some alien warrior to fight the main hero when the warrior is defeated he prints he 3d prints 10 of them so it's actually leveling up with in a plausible way and i also have intermezzos which show like what's happening elsewhere in the world and what how other people are trying to fight it then fantastic now there's a couple of topics I want to touch on today before we conclude, okay? And both of these could go on for a while, potentially, anyway. Now, I want to ask you about the translation process, because you, 
we did talk about this briefly before for your three English novels. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go, for, do you want to tell us about the, how that translation process went? Yeah. And obviously I know it's been done by the same person. So I want to explore as well how it has changed over time. But tell us about the process first of all. Yeah, well, first off, I the one of the most common question I'm being asked in relation with um, the translation is why I don't translate myself and just have a native speaker proofread it for me because my English is rather good. And so why don't I do it myself? And I was actually thinking about it for a long time, but in the end I realized, okay, um, if I, the one thing I enjoy doing most is writing. And if I spend six months translating the book, it's six months I'm not writing. And I'm cranky when I'm not writing. (laughs) Join the club. Do an investment and invest in the, uh, in translation and I had, there are not many Czech writers who publish their novels in English, even in the past 150 years. I think when I, when I was trying to count them, I think more people flew to the moon. So, <laughs> so I went to, a, there's a, the process I started with was there's a, and, you know, and one thing, more thing I wanted to do, to find a freelancer because there are translation agencies, but A, they are rather expensive and B, they don't usually don't let you talk directly with the translator for obvious reasons, because they're afraid that you would go around them and hire the translator directly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and sometimes you have no control over it. So they sometimes even do things like they can hire five people to translate the book faster. And that can be crazy. Like, you know, you, you translate this fifth, you translate that fifth. And I must admit to you, I've actually, I do a book review podcast to my partner, my my partner, and we've seen books like that before and have been translated by four people. Mm -hmm. And if it's done badly, it shows. (laughs) Yeah, especially with science fiction when you need to translate lots of complicated terminology. And, but anyway, there is a Facebook group called Checklist spelled with CZ at the beginning. So it's a pun. Mm. And it's with people who are often English native speakers who are versed in Czech and they can, they're looking for jobs and translation and everything or gigs and they, or they're asking questions like how to translate this, how to translate that. And I came there and I had absolutely no idea what to do, what to do there, like if it would work or not. But, and I basically said something like, hello, my name is Jan Kotoc. I'm a Czech writer of science fiction. I'm looking for someone to translate my book into English. I cannot, uh, I, I cannot, don't want to go to the translation agency, but if you are interested, I'm sure we will find with some mutual, mutually profitable agreement. And within two hours, I had five offers. And so I did something I never imagined myself doing. I started interviewing people. And wow. I, okay, what do you, where do you see yourself in five years? And of course, I let them translate a sample. And and during this process, the one who stand out was my current translator, Isabel Stainsby. And because what really impressed me was that she was really curious and she was thinking about terminology. She invented new wor- words just in the sample to sound better in English. And like, because science fiction is about inventing new words often. And, and, and also asked me, and was not shy of asking me 
about things she did not know, and which uh, some of the other writers, uh, other translators, they just did how they thought it was, and it was terrible. But so we established a wonderful working relationship, and and later on, I also made did a crowdfunding campaign to help uh, finance my trans the translation of my books, and it was very successful. And which helped as well, but uh, but our process works that uh, she translates usually three chapters into English and then sends them to me, and because I can speak English and read English, I read them and like make my notes, and then she comments to my comments and I comment to her comments and we send it back and forth several times and uh, but you know as as we like to joke. Uh, as, a, as the author of the book, uh, I have the last say, but my last say usually is, okay, have it your way. And <laughs> so, yeah, because Isabel is just wonderful and she knows lots of things and she can find out what she does not know. And one agreement we have is with, in regards to military terminology, even in English, she takes my word for it. And so, especially because in of course, Czech Republic doesn't have a navy. Surprise, surprise. But yeah, but in the in the novels they have like space navy and they use naval ranks and naval terminology. And even when I write it in Czech, I sort of need to figure out okay, this is this in English or this is that in English. So I so I wrote her like a vocabulary saying, you know, when I say commander poručík in English, it's lieutenant commander. Uh, or something like that. So, and and also because the main hero is the poker player, I also discuss poker terminology because I know more about poker and <laughs> we did that. And yeah, and so and so we we are set, we she sends me the three chapter chunks back and forth, and then we compile compile the whole novel from that. Brilliant. Have you found that has the process speeded up between the pair of you? Obviously, because you've been used to you've been working with each other for several years now, haven't you? So, yeah, I think. Well, I think as we work more together, I make less comments to her work, or maybe if she were here, she would disagree. But I feel <laughs> I feel I have less comments to that, and and yeah, but I think it's speeded up and. Also, we will. I. She's now. I'm now. I'm lagging behind because of other situations. I did not have time to read the chunks of the book four, so I'm little few chunks behind, few three chapter chunks behind. So, I will fin I will get down to that soon as well. Brilliant. Okay. Now, two things to conclude with today. Now, um, I want to talk to you about teaching as well, because I know obviously you've been telling me before you. I know you're an English teacher. You also, you have, or you have been doing, certainly you will be returning to it, teaching creative writing as well. Now, tell us about the experience of that then. And could, do you think it influences you as a writer being able to teach it because you can analyse yourself more? Yeah, I will, I will answer the last question first. I think it's, uh, I remember when we had some civic class in high school, we, we said like, when you learn most, and of course the, you will, you learn the least by listening to lectures. You learn more by doing examples and everything. And, and you learn most by teaching others. 
So I, of course, I learn and I think more about the craft the more I teach about it, the, the more I teach it. And also when some student makes a mistake and has some problems with their short story, I can tell what he or she did wrong and I may not have thought about it before. And, and I think that's also universal advice for aspiring writers. Don't be afraid to read really bad prose or if you don't want to just watch really bad movies because if you read a really good book or a really good watch a really good movie, it, you often don't know what is there that makes it work so well. But if you read or watch something really bad, you usually notice what is there that is such a big problem. And yeah, no, I agree with you completely with that. So definitely and, so. And so, yeah, and, and I think I always was enjoying making presentations at conventions and having doing panels, etc. So I enjoyed, even though I'm an introvert, I enjoy like talking to an audience about writing and everything. And the more I thought about it, I decided at some point to try it myself. And I did some classes on my own and, and then chance got me to this university, which is actually my alma mater. And I basically was super, um, I was substituting for a, a teacher who was sick for a month. So I was just teaching her class of academic English. And, but I suggested to my boss, like, hey, do, don't you want a creative writing class? And of course, it's not in the main university curriculum, but, you know, they also have this general education thing. So first they asked me if I would like to teach a speculative literature class, which I did. And then they suggested, well, do you, let's try to teach creative writing. And of course, there were not so many students in class because it's really not the focus on, of the university. So there were a small number of students, which tends to be good. Uh, but yeah, it was a good experience. And we are now in talks with some different university about me teaching a class. So I will see about that. And I also like to read books about writing. And of course, I, which is a little, what is a little sad is that when we, discuss like literature about or non-fiction literature about creative writing. Everyone knows Stephen King's on writing. Yeah. And while that book is good, it's also like a memoirs, you know, the first, uh, the first half of the book is what Stephen King was drinking and what he was smoking when he was writing. And there are some good advice, but it's, not, I think lots of it is not universally applicable. Like, and which is nothing to say against Stephen King. Stephen King is a plot, is a pantser. You know, so if you are more, more systematic, more a plotter, you need to approach it in a different way. And since there are dozens of successful authors who are plotters and dozens of successful authors who are pantsers, there is no point discussing which is better. But, but I like, for example, write, creative writing books by Kevin J. Anderson about productivity and professionalism which are really good and I'm actually looking really looking forward to a new book that's being going to be published in June by the Babylon 5 screenwriter J. Michael Straczynski and it's called uh, Becoming a Writer, Staying a Writer. Brilliant. Something I look forward to and I think one problem I find for example in the, on, in the indie market on Amazon is that there's, there's a there are tons of books about creative writing. 
And it's almost like if you published one book, you should, you are, the, your next book is book about creative writing. So I'm not, say, I'm not saying they're bad, they can be great, but I usually, when I buy a creative writing book, I buy it from an author I know, an author I respect for their achievements, and I know them. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one straight away. So if you want to read that sub book, you want to do it by somebody who's a favourite of yours, and you feel like you've got that personal touch more, definitely. So brilliant. Yeah. Been a fascinating chat today. Thank you for this, Jan. Okay, to conclude, then um, we'll let you do the hard sell now, if you know what I mean. Where do you want to tell people where they can find your books first of all? Okay. Well, you can find my books on Amazon. Uh, so far, I'm exclusive for Amazon in English. So you can go there and just type my name or type Central Imperium, and you will find me. You can also find me on Goodreads. I have a Facebook group. That's go for. I have a Facebook page where I post mostly in Czech, but I have a Facebook group where I can be found and where we speak English. It's called Galactic Empires, Intrigue, and Poker, and the worlds of Jan Kotoc. So you can find that. And if you go to my website, which is Jan uh, Jan Dash Kotoc dot CZ, which stands for Czech Republic CZ. There you can download a free novella from free standalone novella from one of my different series called uh, Sector Hirano. Yeah, that's on. That's I've seen that listed on your website as well. If people are interested yeah. in that as well, you can download it for free on my website. So if you want to taste and you don't want to buy something you don't know about, then you can taste my novel on on the internet. For free, yes. well worth well worth it, guys and girls. So, obviously, Jan, to conclude, and obviously, um, last bit is where is, if people want to go to your website, where's your website? <laughs> just so they know. <laughs> I, I, okay, I just said, and we will probably provide with the link in the comments. Or oh, yes, I'll put it in the comments. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Jan Dash Kotoj, my surname, dot, dot CZ. Yeah, for the Czech Republic, yeah, people should. And there is an English translation on that part as well. So and the, the website is also in English. It has English mutation, and I think the server should automatically turn the English readers from English-speaking countries over to the English version of the website. It yeah, it does. Based on the IP address. It does, yes, indeed. Now, that's all my questions today, Jan. So I want to thank you again. It's been brilliant this time. I really, really enjoyed this. My pleasure to be here. It was wonderful. Right, okay. And that been the case guys and girls yeah hang around i do need to speak to you off mic but this is another end of another episode guys and girls so thanks again Jan. as don Callis says in impact wrestling stay safe and stay over and we'll see you all soon spoken later